Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. All right. Um, my name is Mitch. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, thank you. Um, you know, I always... Not always, but most of the time I really enjoy being asked to speak and to share my experience, strength, and hope. Most of you have known me, like Roja, known me my whole recovery. Uh, and some of you I've met, uh, you know, here and there um, along the line, along the line of being a member and being in recovery with you guys. And uh, some of you have never seen me. Um, I have a tendency to share intimately on uh, with OA, you know. Um, so some of the things I say may be uncomfortable for people, you know, and uh, because I, <clears throat> I don't know, I have a tendency to want to be real and talk about where I'm at or talk about where I've been and where I'm at more so than just where I'm at. And I can't do that if I'm not being my authentic self. Something that I heard, and I'm gonna change it a little bit, is that, um, maybe I'll just read it the way it is, but it isn't, I don't agree with the first line of it as much but uh, the real violence is the violence that we do to ourselves when we are too afraid to be who we really are and i find that throughout my recovery that that has been one of the greatest challenges that i've had to face is to show up and to be who i really am a lot of that comes from uh, an abusive childhood where um, there was a lot of mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and uh, which caused me, you know, a lot of different uh, character defects, we call them today. Back then, it was coping skills and uh, ways of just trying to survive the insanity of where I came from. I didn't come from a wealthy family. Uh, we were not dirt poor, but poor enough where there were times there wasn't food in the house or, but there was always enough money for, you know, their alcohol and their cigarettes and their other stuff that they wanted. Um, I left that environment for the first time when I was 20. I went into the Air Force and got away. But I didn't go, tell you the truth, I didn't go far enough. <laughs> and, um, but because I took me with me and everything that they conditioned me to do. And I want to basically talk about powerlessness today in the sense of, yes, I'm powerless over food and, and that addiction did make my life very much unmanageable. And um, 
But, you know, I've been a member of OA now for a little over 20 years. And I've done a lot of step work, a lot of step work. And I still do these 10 steps. And I have one right here in front of me that I read last night to my sponsor. Even with, you know, over 19 years of being abstinent, I uh, still do this because it is a process of recovery for me. And that recovery goes deeper than just not overeating and just not, you know, binging and just not, you know, participating in my exercise bulimia or my starving, restricting and hating my body uh, that I had prior to coming to Overeaters Anonymous. It goes, you know, my powerlessness goes into reacting to other people, places and things that are in my life that are, you know, or have been in my life. You know, I, um, I no longer blame my family for the way that I was treated as a child. I've been able to go beyond that. I've been able to at first forgive them and then later discover that they don't really need my forgiveness. And um, they're no longer a part of my life. I hadn't talked to my father for like 16 years before he passed away. And I did develop a relationship with my mother of sorts some before she passed away. And um, I wouldn't say it was the healthiest relationship we could have had, but uh, all the people, except maybe my older brother, that were in my life back then, when, as a child, are dead. So for me to go around being resentful and hateful towards people that are dead just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And this work, this step work that we do here has relieved me of that. I've had the character defect of hatred, resentment, and loathing of others removed. Gone. I mean gone. I don't mean, oh, it comes back every once in a while. No, I have not experienced hatred in years. And if I do get a little bit of a resentment, it is just that a little bit of a resentment and within a day or two it's gone i just can't live with that in my heart today i have too much love to give and to experience and that love is more of a connection to me than than any of the hate and resentment that i've ever had in my life and it's only due to this program and to of course changing my food um I'll talk about that a little bit, changing my food. I know that when I came on today, I went to the website and did the little click thing and I saw the picture and I was like, holy shit. Um, not real thrilled about that picture, but it did give me a chuckle. But if I was thinking if I was new, that wouldn't, that probably would not be the best picture I'd want to see coming into like my first or second OA meeting. You know what I mean? That would have probably bothered me a little bit. But I've been in that situation where that picture, 
And that item she's holding would not last very long before it was gone, if I was in my compulsive phase. Because I had different phases within my addiction to food. And I call it an addiction because I was definitely an addict. I also suffered from a lot of medical conditionings, migraine headaches, stomach problems, sinus problems, uh, mental problems, depression, dealt with a lot of depression before OA. And a lot of that's been lifted. You know, I haven't been suicidally depressed in 20 years. I haven't had a migraine headache in about that same time. I know that's not true for everyone. I'm just speaking my truth. And I show up to be authentic to myself. And like I said, if it bothers you that I no longer have migraine headaches and I no longer want to kill myself, well, you know, I'm just showing up and telling my truth. And if it bothers you, then perhaps there's some step work that needs to be done on your part because I can't change. And one of the things that came out in this 10 step was that if I go around waiting for the world to change so that I can be comfortable in the world, then I'm gonna never be comfortable in the world. I'm never gonna be at peace if I wait for the world to change. So the, I have to change if I wanna be at peace. And that's what I've discovered in this program as well. If I want peace, acceptance, love in my life, then I have to find that within because that's where it is. And it's covered up all this stuff, the recovery, the peace, the love, the acceptance. It's all within us. It has to be mirrored by other people for us to see it. But what really has to happen is the shit that's in front of us. And I do say it in that language to make an emphasis, the insanity that's in front of us, that surrounds us, within us mentally, it needs to be, we need to be relieved of it in order to get to that. And how do we get, how do we get there? Through the steps, through the steps. It's the only thing I've ever seen that's gotten me there. Of course, the love of the people I met, like Rosia, who just, you know, no matter how crazy I was, no matter how insane I was, she was there to, to extend a hand and to love me and accept me just the way I was, you know, and I try to give that back today, you know, thank you. I try to give that back today. And um, I do do I do give that back today. So to the best of my ability, I don't do anything perfectly. But I try to love perfectly. I do I really honestly try to love perfectly. I remember one of the things I said to my sponsor when I started this 10-step process with him was that he says, what do you want to get from these 10 steps? And these these 10 steps, I mean, like this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pages. You know, they're little. They're not 11 by 8, but I've handwritten 10 steps. And he said, and I was writing four and five of those a day when I first started working with him. And for like six years. So, hey, you know, <laughs> how many times? And they incorporate all the steps. So it's like, okay, well, how many times have I done the steps? I, I never bothered to figure it out. Somewhere in the thousands. So um, he said to me, what do, you, what, do you, what do you want to get to that? And I said, you know, I want to, I want to approach every 
situation that happens from a place of love. And my, you know, my sponsor was a bit of a smart ass. And he said, oh, that's a pretty tall order. And I said, yeah, but I think it's possible. And I still think it's possible. And I do that more often than I ever have in my whole life. So, you know, so let's see. I highlighted some things I wanted to talk about. <sighs> my ego has uh, makes an attempt to uh, hold on to the illusion of control. And it is an illusion of control, you know. But ego is, it's not as, I say he just because it's, you know, ego isn't who I really am, but it does sound like me. <laughs> so uh, it's an illusion, you know. Ego is an illusion. It comes up with all these lies and tells me all these falsehoods and all these beliefs that I was conditioned to believe as a child, you know, and all this stuff. I just don't buy it, you know. But it still tries to trick me into believing it. You know, and I believed it for many years, but not today. Today I can see it for what it's like. And then I write about it, you know, and I try to, and within this, you know, six and seven are in here. So I asked the power that I seen that restored me to sanity, uh, which is love. This is why I want to come from a place of love in every situation that has restored me to sanity. I asked love to remove these character defects because that's what I have grown to believe and see with my own physical, not just with my eyes, but I like the word grok. I've seen it by, it's, it's grokked me to a point of restoring me to sanity. And grok means that it's beyond, for those who may not know the word, though the way that I'm using it may be different than what you read in the dictionary is that it's known beyond the spoken language. It's something that you get beyond the spoken language, you know, so. And I've grokked that. That's how deeply this program can take us to where we can know things without the spoken language. So, hmm. it's not like me not to use up the whole 20 minutes, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm such a, usually people got to break out the hook and, and you still might have to, this could just be a pause. <laughs> So that's pretty much everything that I've highlighted in that 10th step that I was going to talk about. But um, you know, I was going to talk about my food, and I think I just kind of talked about it a bit and kind of skipped over that when I said, hey, I'm going to talk about my food and I went into something else. Um, today, you know, I've pretty much weighed and measured before I came here because I was working with a nutritionist and when um, <laughs> who was also or is still also a member of this fellowship, she retired. So don't ask me who she is because she doesn't do it anymore. But um, she 
15? Uh, yeah, you have five minutes left. Thank you. Oh, that's more like me. <laughs> uh, true to form. Uh, anyway, um, she put me on this. Um, she, they did a bunch of tests, found out I had all these physical things wrong with me. And we started working with her on healing those physical things. And they did a food allergy or food sensitivity test on me. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that I was eating that uh, caused me to, to be affected by it. Number one, sugar, corn, I mean, all the shit they put in most foods, processed foods anyway. And uh, so I was eating pretty much vegetables and protein. And, uh, and that was her thing. No grains. Grains were gone. And uh, we tried a few of them in the beginning, but they just didn't work. So eventually grains are gone. And I worked out this plan with her. And then eventually I ended up needing support on the way that I was eating because there was no one in my life. You know, my family thought I joined a, a cult <laughs> or I should say another cult because I was going to an ashram for a while, like 12 years. And of course, they, that was a cult. So now I just, oh, hey, that's another cult, you know, so they didn't uh, have a lot to do with me. And uh, of course, that was good for me because I didn't have a lot to do with them either. So anyway, I and then I brought that into uh, OA, that, that food plan and um, weigh and measured found out that weigh and measuring just worked better for me and I just did it so if it didn't work better for me I wouldn't have done it 20 years later I still have a food plan that is weighed and measured and um, it's not for everybody and I I don't recommend it because I don't sponsor people on food so I never tell people how to eat it's the hardest freaking thing you can do is tell someone in OA how to eat. I mean, my, my, my nutritionist struggled with me for a long time, long time. But, you know, eventually uh, I gave in because I saw the results, you know, and after I seen the results of what happened by changing my food, she could have told me to stand on my head in the corner and I would have done it. And one of the hardest things she told me to do was to go to OA. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to go to OA. You know, I went there once with a friend who needed to go, you know, a long time ago. I, she wanted me to take her to a meeting. And I went and sat in and went. <laughs> but, you know, hey, years later, I showed up at the Sunday 6 o'clock Kaiser meeting. And I've been going ever since. I ran into some really odd people there, though, you know, I mean, like, you remember Shelly? God, that guy was so odd. He was, like, coming up smiling in my face. I just wanted him to get the hell away from me, you know? And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want that kind of tension. I didn't want that kind of love. I didn't want that, you know, just ah, go away, you know? And he never went away. Every time I showed up at a meeting, he was there. He got in my face right after me. He'd be like, hey, how you doing today? How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, you want to talk? You know? And then he'd just start talking. And it's like, oh, God, I can't get rid of this guy. Then he became my best friend. After a while, I'm going to a meeting. I'm going, where is this guy? You know, where is you? Giving me hug hugs. Giving me hugs. What do you mean? Get, you know? 
And then I met other people, you know, Rosa and can't see a lot of people that were there in my early, early days, but, you know, Judy later on, you know, I mean, we became friends, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's just this, this love that we have for each other, this, it's more than love too. It's, it's like an understanding of where we've been. I mean, like my nutritionist, I'd listen to her speak and I was just in awe of like the depth of her recovery just blew me away and then my sponsor who was on top of that the next week i'm like who are these people man it was just like i didn't you know he wasn't my sponsor back then when i first heard him because i was they bamboozled me into this program which is another story i probably don't have enough time but i'd go see her on a friday work with her then i'd have dinner with them she you know and then we'd go, they'd go, hey, you want to go to a meeting with us? And I didn't have the ability to say no. So I'd go to this OA meeting with them in San Francisco. Okay, thank you. Time's up. I told you you got to break out the hook. You know, and I'm at this meeting and I'm like, <laughs> but anyway, now I come. And now I've been coming and I, you know, I'm, I'm used to you guys now, you know, and I'm like one of you. That's really hard for me to say sometimes, but I am one, one of you. And thank you for asking me to speak, David. And um, I'm really grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. And thank you. <laughs>